On our most important zone of truth of all time, we interview fan favorite, podcast personality, and international sex symbol, Steve. This historic episode features a dive into the artfully crafted characters Matumbe and Saw Moon Isle, the return of our Keeping It PC segment, and of course, some listener questions get answered. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back because guess what, folks? I'm the fucking host this time. That's right. I gave it. I gave it up. You had to give up the reins if you're going to get answered questions. I know people have been clamoring for this, and I think it's time. Yeah. So yeah. without further ado, and it's a it's a bright, it's a beautiful morning that we're recording this. Rare for us. What you drinking, buddy? I am drinking two things. Right now, I am drinking a rum or a hazelnut rum and coffee because we're recording before noon. And I'm drinking myself a good old can of hams on the side. A little side nice. action there. Got to have a holster for that sidearm. I know. Tickets to the gun show. As for me, I'm also drinking a boozy coffee. Uh, courtesy of my lovely girlfriend, Haley. Aww. And uh, I'm drinking a Raspberry Rosé Smirny Seltzy, which I'm sure is going to go fantastic with boozy coffee. Why do we do this to ourselves? What are we uh, even doing? We like intestinal pain, I think. We're just talking about ourselves at 11 in the morning and just drinking a lot of booze. Yeah. Maybe drinking all day long. It's it's very mindless self-indulgence right here. Mm. Absolutely. Oh man. So we got we got a pretty big day planned though. Yeah, we got a huge day, man. Yeah. I currently have a brisket on. I'm taking a hour, hour and a half long break to record this with you. Mm-hmm. Uh grill's still going, having a bunch of people over. How long's that brisket been on? That brisket has been on since you and I drunkenly slathered it in <laughs> mustard and spices at two in the morning. So long smoke. Excited for it. I'm, uh, I think we got enough meat for everybody, but you know, Brooks is probably going to house two pounds of it. So historically, yes. Yeah. That dude puts away barbecue like no man I have ever seen. It makes me feel real. Like, I, if there's one person in the world I like to cook for, it's fucking Brooks. Oh, yeah. Because he will just inhale your meal and ask for seconds, and you're like, I guess I did something all right. You know, every, every once in a while, you'll see that something come around on Facebook that's just like a giant pizza or like a 20-pound hamburger. And it's like, you and three of your friends could t- have to take this down in a half an hour and you get a million dollars. It's always like a meme. It's like, who do you pick? Tag them. And I never tag anybody, but I'm always like, really? I just need Brooks. I need two copies of Brooks. <laughs> two copies of Brooks and I'm good. <laughs> so... I want to get in to the headspace of a Mr. Steve Strapple. Sure. Because we're talking your characters today, and I'm really excited for this because I think of the entire group, you and I ideated the most about Matumbe. 
definitely. Like I have what? the behind the scenes on Matumbe. What do you always get forget to do, Griffin, as the host of this show? I always forget it. I was hoping you just lean into it and throw it on, but nope. That's all right. Hey, Steve, could you put Sirenscape on for me, buddy? Sure. All right, we're gonna be listening to some meditation music from Temple of the Jade Dragon soundsets. Gonna pop that on, and we're gonna talk about these titillating ideations. Titillating ideations. Title of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Matumbe, dude. Sure. I've been waiting a long time for this. Yeah, I've been waiting a long time to get to like actually talk about him because you kept me under lock and key for such a long time with some of the stuff in Matumbe's backstory, mm-hmm. which we've we've gotten to kind of flesh out at this point. But I really want to start with how did you come up with this character? What were what were your background influences, inspirations that kind of built Matumbe? Sure. So really the, the the match that lit the flame on this one was like a year and a half ago when I was listening to the Called Shot podcast. Uh, those dudes from the Back Patio Network, it was their old it was their old show. They were running Skulls and Shackles, and there was a character on the show, uh, played by a guy called Davery, that was called Adagoke. And he was this big Mwangi brawler. I love the character, but one of the things that Davery mentioned on the show that really stuck with me was that the Mwangi Expanse is so cool and it doesn't get enough love. There's not a lot of scenarios that are set there. A lot of times people reference the Mwangi Expanse, but you don't dive into it. You don't really see Mwangi characters really all that far outside of the Mwangi Expanse. So personally... I love fan- like the the setting of fantasy and 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 the themes and everything, but I really really love fantasy in you know unconventional spaces. So I get really excited when a scenario or a module is in the Mwangi Expanse or is in Tianjia or takes place like freaking on the moon or something. Geb, yeah. Every time there's something in Geb, give yeah. it to me. Right. I, I love like the, the old like classic fantasy European feeling settings, but then something yeah, something weird on the outskirts of the uh, of of the world as as the you know, the people around the inner sea know it really gets me going and that got me excited to one day play a character from the Mwangi Expanse. And I had no idea when it was gonna be. But I knew I wanted to do it at some point. So when I was when, you know, we've talked before on this show about how the how the podcast was conceived and we were kicking ideas around you, you know we we've been texting a, a whole lot yeah and yeah too much and i think That's i was at, I, was, I was at work or something and i got a text that was just like dude check out the living grimoire archetype and so i, I popped it open and i was like okay i'm gonna take a look and i read through it and it was an interesting sounding archetype and then it then it just sprung on me right it's I've been wanting to play an Inquisitor for a long time, and I hadn't. And this was a really weird variation on it, but I thought the RP potential was really high, and I could tie it. It it almost wrote itself. Yeah. Where, you know, you have a character who, because he, you know, he, the only tie to the religion is this book that he received. And I, I thought that I could tie that perfectly in with this concept that I'd been holding onto for a very long time this Mwangi guy. Yeah. Do you think that that, and I kind of know the answer to this, but do you think that makes Matumbe's opinion so polarized? 
because he's he's literally getting one source on his religion? Oh, I, I mean, there's a very simple answer to this question. It's yes. But how has he evolved then with meeting people like Father Grimborough and other uh, worshipers of Phrasma in a more conventional sense? Well, I, I, th- I think you could, I mean, just, just think about it in the real world, right? If you just read the Bible cover to cover and never interacted with, with any sort of Christian or, you know, uh, you, you read, you only read the Torah and you never, uh, you never interacted with any person of Jewish, uh, Jewish faith. You know, there, there's some very strong messages in those books yeah. that, I mean, they were written thousands of years ago. They may not exactly translate to today's society. So if, if, if all you ever did was read the books, you might read the books and think that these religions are pretty harsh, pretty unforgiving. And then when you talk to some of the practitioners of those faiths, you realize that although, you know, they hold on to the tradition of those books, you know, some of the morals and, and some of the things in there aren't relevant today anymore. Right. So, so, so think about that just in a fantasy setting, right? This, this man has effectively a Bible and has read it and studied it. And I've talked about all the notes that he's written in the, in the, uh, in between the columns and stuff and, and in the margins, but that that's all he knows. He doesn't, he, he's, he's never in really until now interacted with people of the faith. He doesn't really understand. I think it's interesting because we haven't maybe explored it that much Matumbe is about balance and is you know as an inquisitor is kind of a zealot Mm -hmm. but I mean Phrasma as a god has so many different facets and I think you you touched on it when when you went into I think it was you and Eclipse were having that moment and you went into like you have the different tattoos about the different facets of Phrasman worship but we get a lot of like doom and gloom gravedigger from Matumbe. <laughs> we don't get a lot of like midwife Matumbe or yep. or you know Prophecy prophet Matumbe. Yep. What what made you choose and I guess key in on the facet of life and death? I want to give the good sounding answer and say it's because exactly what I chose. But at the time that I was coming up with this character, I was doing a ton of research, and realistically, I you know I don't know all that much about about Pathfinder. I know a good amount, but that's. That's the first thing I associated with with Phrasma. And in this case, it wasn't a bad thing because it was something that I really liked about the goddess. So maybe if I knew today what I... Or I'm sorry, if I knew then what I knew today, maybe Matumbe would have more of a, a profit spin to him or a life spin to him. But, you know, at the, at the time that I was creating the character, that was the real prominent thing I knew, and that's what I gravitated towards. And I don't regret it. I th- I, I really like the way the, the character turned out. I think the fans are clamoring for Midwife Matumbe. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a Patreon show. Matumbe brings life into this world. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do appreciate um, playing in the, in the space of balance where... You know, we've had a lot of character interaction between Eclipse and Matumbe, and as a player, I know that Eclipse distrusts him yeah. because she's yeah. got voices in her head and stuff. But he's true neutral, and you know, he he so he can get along with someone who's very lawful, someone who's very chaotic, someone who's very good, or someone who's very evil. See, that's always been my thing. I, Matumbe always strikes me as lawful neutral, just to me, mm-hmm. and. 
and I think the only reason for that is because he abides, and it's it's not the law, but it's a code, sure, that he sticks to almost a hundred percent. I think I could write lawful neutral on the sheet, and <laughs> it would, yeah, <laughs> and, and, I, it, and it would, and it would play relatively similar. But I, I totally get what you're coming from. So, I want to touch on a moment now that Haley's not in the room, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's. It's you and me and she's in the not room, buddy. Yeah, and she doesn't listen to this shit. I'm very curious to get your thoughts on the kind of the whole episode where you and Eclipse had your moments, your RP moments, because of all of the characters, you two are the most different. Yep. But more specifically, your thoughts on me bringing the lopper in in that scenario and kind of, I mean, basically throwing shade on your character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was it's it, it was fun to be sitting at the table at that point because, I mean, I, I had a big old smile on my face because it felt like one step forward and two steps back, right? Yeah. yeah. And obviously that's, like, not great for me because Eclipse is going to kill Matumbe one day. Uh, but it was it was a fun, wacky moment where we are. I don't want to say we're polar opposites because I don't think that we are. We just you know have some differences of opinion, and we were starting to build a little bit of a rapport again. Now you know post eclipse corruption, and then Matumbe feels like it's going actually pretty well, and uh, not quite the case. That was actually one of my. <laughs> One of my favorite pieces of fan art we received from, oh, from Alex so fucking cool. when he drew, and you guys can check it out. I'm sure it's on our Twitter, and it's, uh, I think he's at Trash uh, and Trash. That's correct, yeah. Um, same dude that did did uh, the picture of me for my birthday. Love you, dude. <laughs> but he did a picture of, of kind of just before that scene where Matumbe almost has like a clips on a leash as she's doing the, yeah. uh, doing the, uh, what was it? She has the, the divining rod yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Um, that was a fun little cinematic moment. I yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, that was great. Yep. And you saved her from the bear trap. So, you know, props <laughs> to you. She wouldn't have done the, the same for you. The second bear trap. <laughs> the second bear trap. Yeah. Well, you know someone has to have morals in this party. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the last thing I want to touch on because for this group, and you see it happening for everybody but. Matumbe, mm-hmm. there's a there's a darkness in each of these characters. There's something that's pulling them towards the void. Yep. And be it Eclipse with her ghosts and her ghosts inside, or Ikmer. Hey, yeah. I know. I figured you'd touch on that. <laughs> nice. Uh, or Ikmer with his uh, power wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now just you're, it Okay, off. okay. I like where this is going. Keep it going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can figure one out for Lyra. Um, but Lyra, you know, with the kind of Lovecraftian stuff happening, mm-hmm. you don't have that. No, no. At least as far as been has been revealed, you are the only character without kind of a looming... Not to evil. say not to say that it won't happen or couldn't happen. Yeah, not to but. say that I don't have anything planned, but mm-hmm. at this point in the story, there's there's really nothing there. And so that kind of makes you the de facto, in a weird way, good guy. Right. Like you're you're the neutral, like balanced, like zealot, but you're 
the good guy because you don't have this looming evil in your story. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to toot our own horns too much, but I, I do like this kind of unconventional play on a hero where some of the best people in our party, Lyra and, and Ikmer, I mean, they're look at the sheets. They're they're good characters yep. um, and, and they're getting pulled towards the dark. Now we've got a, a party of four people. One of them is is very evil at this point. Two of them are getting pulled that way. And the one guy who who I've even said earlier kind of has removed himself from law or chaos or good or evil now is falling into the role. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say the hero because I would never consider myself or any of my characters heroes. Um, but he's kind of falling into the role of the hero in that, in that sense. And he doesn't know it. Like, right. I think that's the best part is that he doesn't know it. <laughs> he's just such a, such an interesting archetype for a hero. I th- I think that that, you know, d- depending on who survives and how far we make it and the, you know, h- how the folks around this table play their characters, what you throw at us. Yeah, you got Sikondrian, th- dude. We're oh, gonna, coming up on a wraith fight. That's, <laughs> oh, I'm all sorts of nervous. We are screwed. But I think that's a really interesting thing to play with and... Um, I'm looking forward to the potential moment where Matumbe realizes that everybody around him is is going down these paths and he has to stand up and you know it could be we we might find out that it's too late yeah. where you know Eclipse is already pretty far gone Lyra and and Ikmer mar- might not be too far behind that would that'll be an interesting day when when uh, when Matumbe has that moment of clarity and is like oh shit I'm I'm an odd man out here yeah. and they don't have my best interests or the best interests of of the common person in mind. Yeah, you're going to you're going to feel that weird and it's an evil yeah. interlude. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, speaking of evil interludes, dude. Fuck we talked a lot about Matumbe, but this is yeah. Love this character. Saw Moon Isle, dude. Yeah. And Moon Blade. <laughs> I might have said it wrong 30 times when we recorded the first Evil Interlude, but Saw Moon Isle, man. That's a character, dude. Uh, he's got a very special place in my heart. Now, really. do you want to talk about, uh, before we get into him, uh-huh. I kind of want to talk about mechanically what, and I think we've gotten a couple questions about this, and, and your sheet's up there, but mechanically what we've kind of hand waved and allowed because. You are a moon-cursed barbarian, right? Absolutely. And a moon-cursed barbarian has to be a humanoid. Yeah, yeah. And a tiefling is a outsider. Sure is. So um, I believe there is a tiefling alternate racial trait that allows you to act as humanoid and um, outsider. I think I just gave you that. Yeah, because I, I because you wanted take to take some other that. yeah you wanted to take some other alternate racials and the character concept was too juicy for me to not uh, allow it to happen. Plus, I kind of don't like the stuff that that seems, I don't that know. You're a PC. So, that seems so arbitrary. Yeah, you're yeah. a player character. I, I know it's there to impose like benefits and detriments. Like like an Asmar or a Tiefling can't mm-hmm. be enlarged, for instance, unless they take a certain alternate racial trait at the beginning. So that's what we did. We yep. we kind of hand wave that part of it because 
Saw's too cool of a character not to. Thank you. So, speaking of Saw, mm-hmm. inspirations for Saw. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, Saw's archetype comes out of the uh, the horror adventures big old rule book. You guys have used that so... And yeah. I love it. We I our money's love worth it. That, of that, that book. book, Jesus Christ for evil characters, has some great archetypes. It's great, man. Um, but so, his his character came straight out of there and what really caught my eye i can't believe i'm gonna fucking say this online but what really caught my my eye about this was the art for this character because i'm flipping through the book what the the yep. busty wear tiger yeah, or whatever. and i and i hit a dead freaking stop when i saw this because it's right under there is the art for this character and it's this this insanely large chested lady who is trans who's like halfway to becoming a tiger and it just looks like a tiger with massive titties it's <laughs> like what the hell is this oh man we got to commission the uh <laughs> the artist that made that to, oh yeah <laughs> to paint saw well so i saw that and i read the archetype and i was like okay this is pretty cool but there's no way i'm ever gonna play this it's not gonna happen up until then, I had absolutely no interest at all in playing a barbarian. It's just not a class that really jumped out to me. Yeah, you guys have a weird, uh, well, I won't call it weird, but you definitely have a caster focus for at least you and the girls in the party where mm-hmm. you guys don't enjoy playing straight melee characters, which is cool, but... I like I like playing them in, in one-shots and modules but if for, for something long term, it's it's difficult for me to commit to to that. And there's ways you can make it really cool. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. It's just I'm. There, you can have so much fun with spellcasting. Yeah. It's difficult for me to tear myself away from that. Oh, I feel you. But yeah. So never thought I would ever play this character. Maybe in a module. We'll see. And then Griffin brought up these evil interludes, and I was like, okay, well, let's think about this. I might have to play this character a couple times a year. It'll give me a good opportunity to to flex muscles that I'm not used to flexing. And honestly, the biggest thing for why I picked this class and this archetype was, you know, I, I could create a story around it that totally metagamed the rest of the people around the table I was playing with. So, so I thought about this and I was like, well, there's a chance that we all come into this evil interlude with these very high functioning, very, um, megalomaniac characters and it's just going to be four people with you know completely divergent personalities it'd be difficult to work together right Right. so we need somebody that we can just cut loose and that really doesn't have a a big grand overarching scheme well evil people need a henchman exactly exactly and so i i looked around the table and i was like is anyone going to do that well, you know, I, I figure Brooks and Haley are, are going to do something completely bonkers, completely huge and grandiose. Mm-hmm. I think I thought those were pretty, you know, pretty ace in the hole. I knew where I knew I had an idea where they were going. Yep. Emily's a wild card. Emily, I I knew right away or I thought I knew right away that she would play a lone wolf character mm-hmm. that could stand on their own but would team up. And I wasn't expecting kind of like the the weird yeah. team up already in the backstory between uh, Viv and Mr. Turner. So. Which I love. Well, yeah, it's yeah. great, but I, w- I was not expecting it. Yeah. So I figured, not sure where Emily's going to go, but I, fig- I we're going to get some big 
high functioning, high concept folks from the other guys that, you know, are going to have an agenda. And I didn't want to, to roll into, you know, have an evil party with four big old agendas. And then we're just always arguing and pulling each other in other directions. You do need a henchman. Right. So I came up with this character. Um, and honestly, I really, really love Matumbe. I do. But Saw is like, I put a piece of me into that character. And I really have strong feelings for him. I cast <laughs> I cast him as myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's rare. <laughs> that's rare that somebody casts their fantasy character as themselves. Yeah, and you know, over we haven't really spent a ton of time exploring these characters. We had eight fantastic episodes that I love, um, but you know, from an, from a raw hourage perspective, we haven't had a ton of time to to play with them right but over over those eight episodes i found playing saw insanely cathartic because i mean you know i'm gonna lay it all out here i don't think anybody you know whether they realize it or not i don't think anybody loves 100 percent of themselves there's there's something about you that you don't like or maybe it's a behavior or your physical appearance or something that you just don't love and i found after playing those first few halloween episodes when we were transitioning into christmas i was like man a lot of the things i don't like about myself i put into this character and just kind of getting it out there was very therapeutic for me i've found and i've heard this a lot that uh, ttrpgs can be super therapeutic in that way like a lot of people a lot of people will put parts of themselves that they don't really put out to the rest of the world yeah. into their characters and it it does like playing it out and role playing it out makes you kind of feel good about it. Yeah, it I and honestly, he's he's a scumbag. Like he's a bad person who does bad things and has done bad things. Um but you know, we've 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 had conversations with people on the Discord who's the most evil character in the evil interlude and kind of, you know, 100% of the time people say that saw is the least evil yeah he's, he's it's a, really weird how you're like the least tainted character in both yeah yeah <laughs> right right maybe that's something that says something about me maybe i'm just a good person i don't know um yeah. but really i you know it's it's it, it's the nature of the thing he he doesn't have a choice you know he he doesn't have a choice when he transforms he doesn't have a choice that all his teeth fall out and he pulls the skin off his face and it's painful and I mean, he he wants to become undead so that it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, talk about that for a minute. That's such an interesting flavor that you added to the Moon Curse Barbarian. It's definitely not written in there that, no. that it hurts no. for that to happen. The the hook for the evil interludes is that we have to have characters that want to part part you know partner up with the Whispering Way. Yeah, and during character creation. I had the archetype, I had the class, I had the race, I had the character, I had the backstory, but why the hell would he want to join up with the Whispering Way, especially since I wanted to put him in Sargava? Why? I don't know. It's just a really cool place. So so the more I thought about it, I, I decided to pull my backstory, again, like I guess kind of like Matumbe, just straight from the archetype. Well, what what's the basis of the archetype? It's that he transforms into something. What if transforming into something is excruciatingly painful and... You know, I don't think undead really feel all that much pain. Right. So that's kind of his hook that he wants to, he wants to die. He do, he actually just wants to die, but, you know, he can die and not, it won't be the end of Saw. 
Yeah. That's that's where he wants to go. That's gonna be a whole other fucking can of worms, folks. When uh, when we have to decide if as an undead you can still transform into it. <laughs> God damn it! I mean, I'm already not supposed to be able to do it, so you know. <laughs> God damn undead tigers. Yeah, but I I, I mean I, I I had fun building this class. I can't wait to 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 play this character again. Again, I he I he you know I'm not even gonna say he. He feels like part of me. He just is. Like, I've poured a lot of heart and soul into this character. Well, speaking of uh, pouring a lot of heart and soul, I do know that a lot of the things that Saw says come from kind of your music taste. That's true. Can I describe that a little bit? Absolutely. I've never done this before with a character and i had so much fun so we may have mentioned it before i know we've talked to fans about this uh offline might have been on a drunken discord that we talked about it certainly so i love music i i I don't think there's any moment in any given day when there's not a song stuck in my head that's not something i dislike i played drums for 10 years i have a drum kit it's back home with my folks uh living in the apartment that I live in is would be inconducive to having a, a full giant uh, PDP X seven kit. Um, we should uh, fund the fund the Steve gets electric drums fund. <laughs> oh boy, that would be that would be something else, man. That would be so cool. But he can finally make those sick drum beats that he always drops on <laughs> our, on our uh, on our fucking battles he can make them himself i get drawn towards the drum music and then everybody gets pissed because they're difficult to edit around. they are it's like oh yeah that's gonna sound really good when i get that <laughs> off tempo oh but it's so much fun <laughs> we had our we had our first half of the evil interlude so we had our our, our halloween episodes and you know, again, you know, just like during character creation, I'm thinking to myself when Griffin said that he wanted to do the Christmas episodes, I'm thinking to myself, well, we don't get to play these characters very often, and it could be a very long time before we play them again. So what, what sort of what sort of character development can I have that's going to be impactful to the folks at home? Like, why tune in, right? Right. So, so I had saw change a lot. And I, I know we chatted a lot about this with with Haley, and I, so we've covered this before. But I really wanted a very distinct, substantial transformation, which which I think I achieved. Yeah, transforming uh, from a man into a tiger is not good enough. For you, huh? <laughs> not good enough. But a few days before we actually sat down to record those Christmas episodes, um, I was we I was just coming off a concert that. Brooks and I had went to. It was a lot of fun. We went to go see Beartooth, some hometown heroes. They were performing live in Columbus. It was awesome. Great show. Uh, but so I was listening to a lot of that music, a, lo- a lot of Beartooth. Yeah. Love that band. And a lot of the things that, you know, the, the lead singer and, and songwriter of that band has dealt with, you know, and that, and that he pours into his music really is close to some of the feelings that Saw has. You know, he struggles with substance abuse to, to take pain away. You know, he's he's had problems. He doesn't, he has difficult connecting to the, he has difficulty connecting to people around him. Um, he feels judged. Uh, I, I, I saw a little bit of a parallel in this character and, and this person. And so what I did was I sat in my apartment for a couple hours and I had a notebook and I just listened to basically their entire discography. And as I was listening, I would just write down, um, I would just write down phrases that, that came straight out of the lyrics. So, um, 
I Have a Problem, directly ripped from from their song I Have a Problem, which is about substance abuse. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I pulled, I pulled some lyrics from greatness or death where he says sickness is in season. Um, I, I pulled some other ones like, and you know, I'm not plagiarizing or anything here. I was just, I was pulling this inspiration. And so I used these, these phrases as mantras for the character. And, uh, some people have really, uh, really latched onto those. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) I, I really enjoyed doing it. I've I've never done that before for a character. And I did it a little bit for Matumbe um, afterwards because I really enjoyed it. I pulled a, a couple couple lines from Architect's Greatness or Death for his uh, his crucifixion scene that he talked about with Eclipse. Dig into it, folks. See if you can find it. See if you can find it. I mean, I, I just told you where it was and, and what it was, so <laughs> it's not going to be hard. Well, you got to find the exact uh, the exact verse. Yeah, you get you get props from me, I guess. So. We've talked Matumbe, we and have. we've talked Saw. We have. Those are the characters the folks know. But on these one-on-one episodes, and especially with me as the MC this evening, I want to get into a segment yes. that Steve likes to call Keeping It PC, Baby. And the character I want to talk about is another one from our Return of the Rune Lords game run by our good buddy Tim, where... Almost all of the podcast is a member. Mm-hmm. Raya. Raya. So, who is she? What inspired her? What is she? Class. Um, let me cut you loose. All right. So, I well, Raya, Raya is female, and I would say probably about fifty percent of the characters that I play in in role playing games are female. Yeah, you're you're our uh, GCP Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, it's it's uh, I, I you know, I, I don't like to restrict myself to gender, and sometimes I think you know a, a male or a female in certain roles is more compelling as a character. It's just you know, it, just how it, it works in my brain. So for this particular character, I decided to play a female. Rhea Dulison is. Uh, is a witch with no archetype, and why, why would I not pick an archetype? Archetypes are really cool. I don't I don't GM a lot, so when I play characters, you know, I'm probably playing them for a long time. I don't have a lot of opportunities to, again, I, I keep coming back to this expression, flex muscles that I haven't flexed in a long time. Yeah, like I've never played a witch, so I figured I could do something weird and cool and, and archetypey, or I could use this opportunity to explore the class and really learn the core mechanics of, of a witch. So that's what I did. Um, she is a, uh, she's a lot of fun to play. She's a lot of fun. Human. Human. Well, but, but with a very interesting twist, please tell me about this twist. And it, it, it comes straight from return of the room. Lords, comes right? straight from it. So there is a campaign trait for in the, in the players, in the, in the player's guide to return of the room Lords. Um, that's called accidental clone. And what that is, is it, it basically provides you a little bit of backstory. It, um, shit, I can't remember the exact bonus it gives you, but um, the backstory it provides is that you were adventuring, you were with a party, and you or somebody set off a trap. And this trap wiped out your party. 100% TPK. You even died. But you wake up a day or so later with a brand new body and that body is a clone 
of, you know, that had no mind in it, of the Rune Lord of Lust, Sorshin. So you are a shockingly beautiful woman, woke up, no, no idea what happened, and I thought this would play really well into the campaign, and especially with the, uh, the, um, the class of the witch, because a witch gets her spells from somebody, right? They have a patron, and they don't know who it is. Yeah. So going through, the, going through this campaign, Rhea doesn't understand where her magic comes from. You know, she was a non-magical person who died, woke up way prettier, and is now powerful and doesn't understand why. And I have worked with Tim. I gave him a few options of who I think the patron should be. And he said, okay. And then he didn't. Said nothing. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he did not tell me who the patron is. So that's. Props to him for doing that. Yeah. I, I wanted to give him that option. I was like, hey, it would be cool if this person was her patron. It would be cool if that person was her patron. It would be cool if this other person was her patron. I'll let you decide because I'm putting my faith in the game master. Right. Well, that's what she should do because I think. I think if you give a lot of backstory options, it mm-hmm. gives the GM so many hooks. And you guys have been really great with that in you know our podcast. But I think we've taken that experience and done really well with it in Return of the Rune Lords as we've been playing. Yep. The more hooks you give him, the more surprised you can be in where your character's backstory goes. And I think that's kind of part of the fun of playing, right? Oh, absolutely. So cast is Megan Fox, right? Yes. So yes. That, that is straight from the artwork of Sorshin. I would not have picked Megan Fox, but you're exactly right. Uh, it was actually Tim's suggestion. He he pulled up a, a picture of Sorshin, and I, I mean, whoever painted that yeah, thing must have taken was just staring from at Megan, Megan Fox. Fox. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I couldn't believe how, how alike they looked. In my, in my head... Maybe you know the the way I've been playing her. Maybe a little bit more of a Kristen Ritter, like uh, in, in Emma yeah, Roberts. Yeah. Um, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that because because you've been playing her so goth, <laughs> but like like pop goth. Like she's she's got the she's got the parasol. She's yep. got you know. I have a an, an empower meta magic rod, and I flavored it as like a goth lacy parasol, <laughs> which is perfect. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, I play her a little spacey she's in a new body she doesn't quite understand where her powers come from and you know she's just very curious of the world around her um she'll see a a a new species walking down the street and she'll just stare at them she's just kind of you know she's she's learning a lot she's seeing things through new eyes and um want to give us a little little snippet of her voice but oh no (laughs) putting you on the spot here this is fair because I totally did this to you. Yeah, you've done it to me. Oh, hello there. I see you. <laughs> you gotta oh. love Steve's female voices. Dwarves. I will give you props. You're much better at maintaining a female voice than I ever am. <laughs> well, I just have the one. I become like Star. <laughs> star. Star. International. Arrow and Star. International hit. International hit. International hit. But yeah, I, I, I love playing the character. She's a lot of fun. So um, what do you think of playing a witch? This is your first time playing a witch, mm-hmm. and at this point we played through level six. Yep. Uh, I I know just from playing with you and kind of where the campaign was that the early levels were a little tough. Yeah. Just because of all the mind affecting that the witch does. But what's your take on a witch thus far? I love it. It's yeah. such a, it's such a fun class. Um, 
I mean, I'm level six. My unadjusted AC without mage armor or anything is a 14. A, yeah, but you got, <laughs> a stiff breeze could blow me over. You got several frontliners, though. Or you had mm -hmm. even more. It's true. But um, I, 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 I like the class a lot. One, I do like the flavor, obviously. But it, it, it plays kind of strange because, I mean, I have boosted the hell out of her intelligence. Uh, we, got, we got some cool items that boosted that even further. My intelligence at level 6 is 23. She's smart as hell. She's smarter than Matumbe, like yeah. by, by even a considerable margin. Well, I didn't give you guys a 20,000 gold item <laughs> either. Right? Uh, you know, it, I guess the biggest struggle I have with the class is that it's difficult for me. Well, especially even more so at the earlier levels now that my spell book is open or my spell list is opening up quite a bit with third level casting. Um, it's it was it was and it still is difficult for me to justify just not hexing every round. Right. Like, but I think I think that adds so much comparatively to like a to a wizard, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to fucking acid splash every round, but yeah. I don't want to use my spells. Well, the witch has a mechanically really good option. Oh yeah. Like you don't have to ever fucking use a crossbow. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Because you have you have a great option when you're not using spells. I can always just knock down the AC with an evil eye. I can I can take off and fly. I can um there's a protective luck, I think is the, is the name of the hex. so clutch, oh by the way. Oh my god. I mean, I basically what it does is you 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 have protective luck on on you cast you or well you you hex you one hex of your friends. One of your friends. <laughs> and basically any person or thing that tries to attack it has to roll twice and take the lesser result. So what do we do? We drop it on our swashbuckler and he plows through combat, incurring attacks of opportunity, parrying and reposting, and just cuts through people. Yeah, it's a it's a great combo with a swashbuckler. Oh yeah. I'll say that. I wouldn't have thought of it. But, you know, it just it just happened. Well, yeah, I mean, like you're giving him because it lasts rounds. It's not mm -hmm. like it's not like the first time somebody yeah. rolls against you, they roll twice. It's like for two rounds, anybody that tries to attack you has to roll twice. And when he's parrying, it's like I can beat your disadvantaged roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected that the witch and the swashbuckler can complement each other so well, but it it it's been a, it's been so much fun. Oh, it's been yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I like having, you know, being able to cast as many hexes as I want, having that to go back to. Keep, and I, I can save the spells for when they count. Um, it's cool. I, I really like it. Well, awesome. Speaking of things I really like, mm -hmm. I really like when our listeners send us questions that we get to answer. They're the best. They're the fucking best, dude. And I kind of just want to get into them, if that's okay with you. This is completely your show, man. All right. I'm you in. better enjoy this, I'm all in. right? I'm all rocking. Right? I'm in and I'm rocking. <laughs> Let's get to the first question. This is from our buddy Alex, who we just referenced before doing the dopest fan art of, of that of that awesome scene. And of me, which I really appreciate. I like when the GM gets a little bit of love. You, you look better in that photo than you have ever looked. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he asks... What is an AP that you desperately want to run or play in? You want to take this one first? Or you want me to go off on it? Um, I'll I'll go I'll go ahead first because there's a, a couple. Let's answer both run and play in. Ooh, I, I was I was kind of hoping you'd do that. Yeah. Um, run. There's a lot of really cool APs out there. I think everyone knows my answer. We're we, it's gonna be Serpent Skull. Yeah, dude. The the, the first book 
by itself would be an incredible adventure. A lot of fun. Um, there's some stuff in the middle of the campaign that, you know, I, I don't think works as well as it should, but with a little, you know, with a little massaging, I think could be really cool and awesome. And then the conclusion of that campaign is so epic. It's so fucking cool. I would love to do it one day. It explores the Mwangi Expanse. It explores Sargava. You really dive into some cool stuff that you never see. We're, I'm coming back full circle to, to, to the first question I got. Like, what's going on with the Mwangi Expanse? In, in the Serpent Skull, at the back of those Adventure Path books, they have the bestiaries where they debut a bunch of monsters. What they do, and I haven't read a lot of AP, so I don't know if this is, if this is traditional, but in most of those monsters, they give a little blurb, like a little paragraph where it came from, and almost all of the creatures that they put in there come straight out of African folklore, and they're so fucking cool. Yeah, that's super dope. Yeah. So, question for you on that before, so that's what you want to run. Mm-hmm. But question for you on that, because you just said you don't really like the middle of that AP. Yeah. If you were to run that, would you run that part of the AP or would you kind of take off on like a, on like a homebrew esque tangent there? Um, and maybe, you know, book one is great. Book six is great. Let's do kind or modify it, modify it heavily. But would you, would you modify slash homebrew the campaign to kind of suit what you're looking for? I would do books one and two basically as, as, as they're written. Cause they're really good. I would do three close, maybe, maybe toss in a little bit of homebrew stuff. Honestly, what I would do is just wrap, wrap book four up as fast as I could. I don't, I don't know that book four fits in like, as far as a narrative perspective, it's where you, you don't like leave the the narrative it it is important that the things happen in that book that are supposed to happen sure but honestly what i would do is run books one one and two play with three a little bit i would just annotate book four down to like two sessions okay just in and i guess that's a little um a little unconventional but i would just have the players like level up really fast and just blow through it yeah like um, hit all the big bads exactly and level up on each one yeah there's no need to stretch it out you know just just get through because that's literally what that book is it's just like pushing through the story i think we've we've discussed this before that the, mm-hmm. the book fours of ap's know, it's usually man. the book four Weird. that is just kind of like the out of left field or strange or you know oftentimes the favorite or least favorite book of an AP. Yeah. And then uh, book five, I would, I would do pretty close, pretty damn close to how it is. It's a pretty well-written book. And then book six, I mean, just gets so epic straight out of the book. It's, it's great. Awesome. Yeah. So I'd play around with the middle, but I'd, I'd virtually leave it as it is. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. You, you're fighting serpent folk, which don't like appear anywhere else. Um, you, surprisingly dive into some really cool Aslanti stuff. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah. What would you play in? Uh, this one, I feel like I'm, I might be cheating a little bit, um, but Attack of the Swarm for Starfinders coming out soon. Yeah, dude. Oh my god, it just sounds like Starship Troopers. The sw- which is which is a phenomenal the, yeah, <laughs> phenomenal the, setting. The, the, the swarm is starting to wipe across the galaxy and really all I've read about the AP is this I mean, and, and it sold me. Really, all I've read about the AP is that the first book is on a planet, or takes place on a planet that is currently being overrun with the swarm, and you are you are like the last survivors of a of a military base, and you just need to escape the planet 
as like as the horde is consuming everything. Yeah, that's pretty epic. Yeah, so I mean, you hit the literally, literally hit the ground running. Like, it, we got to get out of here. I'm, it, I have to play it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know who would run it. I don't know when it would happen. Shit, I would probably run it too. Like, it just seems really cool. I am a sucker for anything um, sci-fi, and you know, I'm a big, big Star Wars nerd. Like, it just, it just, it just hits the right buttons for me. And yeah. it's not a Pathfinder. I know that. Don't at me. Don't don't at me. me. It's not Pathfinder, but I mean, come on. He just, it just said sounds AP. So cool. He just said AP. That's a good he point. He didn't say Pathfinder AP. Hey, you know what, Alex? Don't at me. So, speaking of sci-fi, mm-hmm. I am excited to say Uh-oh. that I have completely, fully backed Grimmer Space. Completely and fully yeah. have the the all in edition, which gives me four copies of the of the player's guide for yep. you guys. Backed it. What's what's Glimmer Space? Grimmer Space is a third party set of you know new PC classes, a whole new setting for Starfinder. So it it it, it expands Starfinder. It expands Starfinder. Put out. Yep, and cool. it's fully compatible with Starfinder, and it's sci-fi horror like i read through their like their tester ap and that shit is terrifying dude it's like it's scarier than probably anything we've done on the show it's it's nuts it's nuts dude and so i backed the whole thing i am 100 percent in at least running it you know with you guys and then, you know, signal of fucking screams, my dude. That. Let me let me tell you. That I've been dying. I ha- I've had the books for four months. I've been dying to play that. Let, let me tell you. I'm, I'm going to be very transparent with the fans. When you go to PaizoCon, you get a ton of free shit. Really cool. And in every one of the every one of the bags they give away, they gave away book one to an AP. Whether that was a Starfinder or a Pathfinder AP. I got my bag ton of cool shit in there and i got book one to signal screams and i talked to my friends at wheeler woe and i was like i gotta trade you for something doesn't matter what ap it is we've had this for I, a long time <laughs> i i am not you know griffin has this and i want to read through it but i'm not allowed because whether it's on the show whether it's uh whether we're playing it off off camera or off mic we have to do this so i can't read it because i'm gonna have to play it at some point yeah and i think that might come as a as a bummer because We've talked about this. Like, Haley runs our Starfinder games, and, mm-hmm. and we love that. But I run our horror games, dude. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm running the horror game. And if it's horror Starfinder, I want to run it. Sure. Uh, what I want to play in, I desperately want to play in Reign of Winter. Oh. Desperately want to play in that. If, oh. if somebody is doing, like, a play-by-post or some shit, at me. Because... I would love so much to play in Reign of Winter. I have such a good character from Irison uh-huh. that we had that yep. we had yep. in in. I mean, he was from Irison, but he's he was in uh, what is it? Is it Nirmathas? Um, um, Nirmathas yeah. is where is where uh, what the fuck was when it? we played uh, Iron Fang. when we played Iron, Iron Fang Invasion. Zured um, Beer was from you know Irison yeah. and his backstory is all tied up in Irison, all tied up in the Winter Witches. And I would love to bring him back for that campaign because 
he was a, I mean, he was a hunter, cool character. I really want to play him. I, so some, uh, some Steve Strample Pathfinder history for you guys. Um, way, way back in the day when Tim and I and Brooks and Emily were just starting Rune Lords, we wanted to get more of the little stand up, uh, characters. Uh, the, the, yeah, their mini sets, the, the, yeah, pawn, the, sets. the pawn sets. Um, just to kind of flush out our collection because we were playing everything on, on a table at that point. So Tim and I went to Half Price Books to see if we could find a pawn set and they had the Reign of Winter one. So we bought it and we're looking through it and it's like gas mask zombie Russian soldier <laughs> animated tank. What the fuck is happening in this AP and we have to play it one day. Yeah, spoiler it, alert. It's insane. You fight fucking Rasputin. Yeah, like like it happens. <laughs> It, that's that's a it's such a mind. I mean, like fuck. the Baba Yaga and shit. Like the just the kind of Russian folklore in mm-hmm. there makes it one of those APs that I just desperately want to try out. Again, fantasy in in, con- in unconventional places is so tantalizingly cool to me. Yeah, I love it. I'm so excited. So we got we got a couple more questions. We got to keep going. I know, and we have the lightning round. We got our boy Florida man. If it came down to a true battle royale... Read the whole question. That's what I'm I'm reading it. Make sure you read the whole thing. All of it. Okay. If it came down to a true battle royale situation, who in the group would win and why? And who would fail the hardest? And why is that, Steve, despite the fact that we all love Steve the most? That's the part I wanted to hear. Just the love love Steve the most part? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. Um, All right, I'm going to break right into this because i am the gm of all of these characters dude it's it's fucking eclipse yeah this i i mean it, at this level yeah. it's eclipse easily I, she pulls out so much bullshit like i like i always say on the podcast and it's not bullshit it's a part of her character i just like giving her shit mm-hmm. but like the stuff that an occultist can do is absolutely insane i'm waiting for her to rock into trappings of the warrior for uh for her next implement so that she is full base attack bonus on top of six level caster, like brutal insanity, like such a cool character. And the yeah. focus powers are awesome, especially if you guys are fully replenished for the day. Mm-hmm. She can blast you from like hundreds of feet away with that, yeah. with that 5d6 shit at this point. But nobody else can put up that kind of damage. Like, no. And I, yeah, I, I think this is a very simple question um, or a simple question to answer. It, it, you know, especially if we throw on the whopper, like it's a done deal. Well, deal. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could go either way if you throw the lopper in. I guess that's true. Um, why would I fail the hardest? Because one, I can't roll for garbage. Um, but two, I I love. I, I think I argue you can only roll for garbage. I know. <laughs> so uh, I love the class that I'm playing. I love the archetype that Matumbe is. But I've seen some stuff online, and I I don't necessarily disagree with it. Playing uh, playing a living grimoire for as long enough, where kind of a, a little bit of a jack of all trades master of of none right you definitely sacrifice some of the stuff that makes an inquisitor super powerful yeah. like you don't get you have to you do bane differently than a regular inquisitor does you have to kind of like pick between it and other stuff that you can apply to your book yeah and the book i mean it's cool but like the damage that comes off that thing is garbage like the this the restricting the the spells I have, as opposed to a regular Inquisitor or other Divine Caster, is pretty punishing. Um, so, 
Like, I, I was joking about it at, at level up five, but it's like, I got to focus up on, on what this character can do. And what I can do is roll skill checks. I think you really need to focus on what makes a living grimoire different than an inquisitor. Sure. Because an inquisitor is a spontaneous caster and you mm-hmm. are a prepared caster. Prepared casters, nine times out of ten, more powerful than a spontaneous caster because if you play your cards right, you can pick the right spells. If you play your cards right, if you go into town, if you meet other people, you can get scrolls yeah. or, you can, or you can copy people's spell books with divine spells in them and learn way more spells than a spontaneous caster ever would. Now, right now, obviously, you're, the party doesn't yep. really have the time to do that, but yep. when, when there's a bit of downtime, you know, I, I highly recommend finding somebody in town that has spells and paying them a nominal fee to copy them down in your book. Let me let me let me flip this up on you. Evil party. Evil party. Uh winner of that. Jeez. That's that's a tougher one. But I think while you guys are living, I think Ed Turner has the most potential if played right. Okay. Just because he's got his negative energy channels. He's he's a six level cleric. He's got a good spell list. He's got summons. Yeah. I mean, Saw can tear something to shreds, but it has to be right in front of him. Yeah, I would I would make the case that I agree with you. I think Ed Turner could really put some hurt out and potentially win in the right situations. If Saw can get his hands on anybody at this table, it's a done deal. But he, yeah, has, but he, has, to, but he has to get to them. They're squishy. Yeah. They're squishy. And that's the issue is that I don't think... I don't think Ed's optimized as a as a high AC cleric because he he built himself in a way to kind of complement the party, and he wasn't going to be a frontliner. Yeah. By the same token, all Nana Opal has to do is fly, and Saw is completely neutered. But I can jump. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> right. I, I think I think between Viv and Saw, that would be a fight. Be because she's got some spells, she can probably she probably has an extract of invisibility and stuff. Like you just as saw without your complimentary party don't have a lot of utility in the uh, in the dealing with spellcasters and spells. Well, I mean, you, you saw it in the Jasmine Phoenix fight. It's like, well, I might as well just fuck off right now. Like I can't touch her. Like what can I? Like yeah, like I I'm taking more yeah. fire damage than I'm dealing to her. And- yeah. Um. So I think saw has potential. It just has to be at the right. The, the right situation needs to present itself. If Saul wins initiative, I think he he. There you wins. go. Yeah. There you go. He brings down brings down Nana Opal before she can get off the ground, and then has to go. You know, just walk down the line of of, of the rest of them. But you know, strong strong cases can be made for any one of the other party members. Yeah, I I absolutely. That's, believe that's that. a much more balanced situation. I feel like with the occultist in the party, you definitely. At least at this level, without the kind of higher level spells. Yeah, I think eventually it'll be Lyra. Once okay. Lyra, once Lyra kind of comes into her own and gets that bigger spell list, that bigger spontaneous list. Her issue right now is that all of her spells, aside from a couple, are to help you guys. Yeah, are to are to support you guys because she's kind of that like bardic mm-hmm. caster, mm-hmm. but she's a ninth level caster, and so. When it gets down to it, a three quarters BAB ninth level caster is fucking powerful. Yeah. That's why I like the oracles a lot. That's yeah. why I like the clerics a lot. The divine casters are awesome. And I think a case can be made that later down the line, she's going to start blowing shit up. 
Well, when we all inevitably fight each other, we'll see how it plays out. Stay tuned. I think Ikmer would be hard for anyone in this party to hit (laughs) (laughs) without a touch attack. Oh, boy. But I digress. Let's get to the next question. This is our buddy, Rusted Chrome. I was saving this question for when it was just the two of us. All right. I think the players in Griffin, so me and Steve will do this, autoplay, fuck, marry, kill, Ustalov NPC edition. So basically, you're asking me to fuck, marry, kill three things that I have voiced in this campaign. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. You want to take this first? Or you want me to? Uh, your choice. You're running the show, but I, I, we, we do need to know which three characters. Okay, so for me, it's going to be fuck Horace. He's too old to marry. Oh, no, you, you give three characters, and then between the three of them, we decide. Oh, okay, that's okay. fine. Yeah. Uh, so Horace, Horace, Seymour, Seymour, and the Lopper. Jesus. Bam. Oh, God. All right. So I'm going to fuck Horus. Yeah. I'm going to marry the Lopper. Okay. And I'm going to kill Seymour. Hmm. Let me see how I feel about that. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with Seymour. Um, fuck, I don't know. I don't know that I want to fuck an old man, but. Hey. He's vigorous. It's true. Mm. I think fucking a Wraith could get strange. He's got I'm, the most. That might be interesting. Mm, the most vigorous sexual appetite of all of them. You know what? This this doesn't feel right coming from me, but I think I might agree with you. I might marry the Lopper. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's got the companionship. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm looking for in a life partner. Well, it's weird because he's he's kind of taken that odd slant where he's like buddy-buddy with Eclipse instead of antagonistic yeah. to her. And so, you know, I I see I think I think I could go either way. Yeah. I might marry Seymour as well. He's super loyal. He's helpful. I would not fuck Seymour because he would probably hurt me. Yeah. Doesn't know his own strength. Get to the bedroom. No. (laughs) Dear God. What has this podcast become? (laughs) A series of strange voices. (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I agree. All right. All right. So at this point. Because we're because we did our keeping a PC and we did our one on one and we're doing we're doing the Steve feature episode. I'm sure he talked himself up at the top of this one. Yep. We're gonna do the chain lightning round, bud. All right. Do I need to roll anything? I mean, you should roll a reflex save. All right. You know. Oh man, dude, have you seen the time lately? Yeah. It shot a clock. Oh God, dingers! <laughs> oh shit! Hold on. All right, we're doing a... Before we hop into this lightning round, we're going to do some shots. How have we not thought about this before? Dinger! It's time for dingers, baby! Woo! All right, so I'm going to take a dinger of this lightning 101 cinnamon schnapps that we just have at all times. There's a bottle of this sitting between Brooks and I, (laughs) and we just alternate taking pulls from it, like, all the time. All right, here we go. All right, it's shot o'clock, so I'm going to pass this around to my buddy Griff. Kept that cap nice and loose for me, buddy. No, I, I mean, you're taking it right off. Ooh, Ooh. lightning 101, cinnamon schnapps. Whew. Red as the devil's cock. Easily. Red as Saul Munau's cock. Easily. <laughs> so... At the start of this lightning round, what 
is your favorite race and clarification pathfinder race yes but pathfinder exists in a larger solar system as we've learned from starfinder so this again this feels a little bit like a cheat like my attack of the swarm scenario but come on guys it's the vest the vest dude well okay I'll, i'll allow that because lizard folk are still a race yeah so vesk um for for those of you not familiar with starfinder lore it's this very mil- like imperialist uh, militaristic society and they they've swept across the galaxy just fucking shit up they're these giant lizard men um and uh, they're just so cool they were at war with the pact worlds those are um, basically all of the the good guy worlds in the setting of starfinder they were they were at war for they were at war with them for a very long time and then ended up uniting with the Pact Worlds to face the bigger threat of the Swarm. Um, so if you play in the Starfinder, uh, you know, if you play in the Starfinder setting in, 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 in that time space, it's not, it was not realistically not all that long ago that the Vesk and Pact Worlds people were all killing each other and they had united to face the common threat. And now that threat is apparently done with. And so there's a lot of like real weird RP tension between Vesk and literally anybody else, but except the Skittermanders, except the Skittermanders. Um, but they're they're just so cool. I played one for our Dead Suds campaign all the way through. My buddy Bosk, um, I love the hell out of them. It was so much fun to play. Cool race. All right, pivoting off of race. Okay. What's your favorite class and why? This question comes from our buddy Jobot. I'd be a little biased here um, because I took a cleric through 17th level, but we said a lot of really nice things about clerics in the last like hour. It's a cleric. I, I really like the class. Yeah, they're pretty multi-ability. It's a little difficult, but, but that kind of makes them really versatile and uh, peek behind the curtain into my life because I'm laying it all out on the table apparently today. I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through 12th grade. Like, so to play somebody that has, you know, this religious zealotry like Matumbe or potentially a, a cleric, it's very easy for me. You know, I, I, I spent a, a, a large chunk of my life, you know, going to school where, you know, every day we would learn about religion. It was just part of the curriculum. Um, and so that, you know, I, I kind of channel some of those thoughts and ideologies uh, into, you know, into those characters. And oftentimes, you know, if you need something in a pinch, if you're familiar with with a religion and you need to roll up a character really fast, just pick a cleric or an inquisitor or, you know, one of those other divine casters, because honestly, your RP is like written for you. You if you if you know how, you know, that person behaves how they act what they feel what they think what they should say at any given time that's that's fucking rp on easy mode gms hate him (laughs) so we got the cleric yep and now our boy ryan is asking we know what our players like to drink but when given the opportunity what do what does matumbe drink i mean i think we've established on the show it's he doesn't he doesn't drink booze uh water water maybe with some uh Maybe with some cucumber or mint or, or lime in there. And if he's feeling really bad, maybe some tea. Ooh. Feeling a little naughty. Look out. Look yeah. out for that caffeine. Coming from our buddy Florida Man. Of course. What class and race most accurately align with who you are in real life? Oh, shit. 
shit. All right. Um, I wrote down the class and then wanted to figure out the race and never did. So we're going to do this live on air. Um, elf, half elf. Boom. Got it. Lanky. I mean, probably. Uh, the class for me definitely, I, I think, would be a bard. Like I said, played drums for a really long time. Want to keep playing, just don't have the opportunity right now. Got a song stuck in my head at all times. I listen to a lot of punk, a lot of heavy metal. Um, I'll talk to anybody about that kind of stuff. High charisma. Yeah, high charisma. People love me. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we laugh uh, because I'm a huge loser. But this may surprise a lot of people out there. But I wasn't bullied as a kid. Like, I was a total, total dweeb. But I got, I would hang, I would go from hanging out with the band kids to hanging out with the theater kids to hanging out with the nerds to, to hanging out with the jocks. Like I was kind of universally accepted in kind of every sort of friend group at, in, in grammar and high school. Um, uh, you know, suck your own dick a little more. I mean, <laughs> I, you, let, let's run through, let's run through these ability scores. I'm not strong. <laughs> I'm not dexterous. Uh, I've got a very average constitution. I do get sick. Uh, I, I think I have fairly average intelligence, and I'm not streetwise, but I get along with people pretty well. So charisma is my uh, is the stat I'm going to pump up. All right. Like I said at the top, international sex symbol. How about that race, though? Mm, international sex symbol, Esmar. Esmar. God damn it. Yep. All right. So final lightning round question. All right. What do you got for me? Rustic Chrome asks if you could pick any comic book or movie hero or villain to take your character's spot in game, who would it be and why? All right. So I think we've been doing this for both the good characters and the evil ones. Yep. It's going to start with good. So this is Matsumbe. I would cast him as Luke Cage. Here's why. Here's why. First of all, because the casting for Luke Cage in Netflix's uh, show was spot on. Mike Colter actually was on the shortlist for me to cast as Matumbe in the show. I think he's a badass actor and fills the role perfectly. But, I mean, peeling back the character a little bit, if you watch that show over its two seasons, Luke Cage is definitively a badass. Matumbe is definitively a badass, but he's kind of square. Like, and if you look at Luke Cage, like there's a lot of people around him who are very cool, who are very suave, who are very suave, who are very slick. And he's, he's like kind of square. He stands out a little bit because he stands by his morals and he's a good person and all those other things, which I think works pretty well for the character of Matumbe as well. Nice. What about Saul Moon Isle though? Ooh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. This isn't a superhero or a comic book character. Um, this, this recommendation actually doesn't come from me. I, I didn't think of this on my own. I was DMing uh, a buddy of ours on our Discord, a user by the name of Hydroflare, and he suggested casting for Saw that was incredible. It was the actor that played Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. Oh, that's and, great. And so I'm just going to say, yeah, Ra- Ramsey Bolton, he is a bastard. So that that works out uh, for, the, for the character and the archetype and the, and the race. Um and he is a terrible, terrible person. They saw also like cutting off weenies. Well, we'll I find mean, out. Record another, <laughs> record another evil interlude, and we'll find out. Uh, yeah, don't, don't do my NPCs dirty like that. <laughs> never, never. Um, but yeah, Hydroflare, give me a that's that's a great suggestion, and I have to use it because I could see the the you know casting as that actor and casting as that character. He, he's a 
bad, bad person who does terrible, terrible things. And a little bit, you know, he's he's evil. And kind of definitively not a great leader. No, no. Yeah. So Which I, I think is perfect for Saw. And he likes ripping people's skin off. Like, come on. You got Saw going there. There you go. Perfect. What um what comic book or TV film uh Tiger? <laughs> you get? Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you gotta you gotta give me a heads up on this one. Never. Um <laughs> The Tiger from Aladdin. <laughs> I'm trying to think of famous tigers. There's not overly many. I'm gonna say the uh, the saber tooth from the the critically acclaimed film 10,000 BC. Uh, I thought you were going Ice Age on me. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. Ice Age. All right. All right. So, Steve. Yeah. Good. You have succeeded your reflex save Wonderful. on the lightning round. I'd also like to say you've succeeded your will save on the zone of truth. I've talked more in the last hour than I have in the last two weeks. So, is there anything you want to say to the fans? I do. Uh, Thanks for giving me this opportunity. If you've listened this far, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing with yourself. But this, you know, playing these characters has been absolutely a blessing. Um... And it's a, it's a real pleasure of mine to share this with you guys. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again in the future where I can kind of pour my heart out and have a couple drinks for a couple hours. I had a lot of fun today. Um, of course, hit us up on all social medias. I, I, I saw that one of the things that somebody posted about us was that um, they really appreciated that we were easy to get a hold of, that we were very responsive, that we talked to all of our fans. And we talk about the, the stuff that we talked about today. We'll, we have no problem with just, you know, chatting with folks on our Discord or on Twitter or on Instagram. If you guys have a question, definitely throw it in the Zone of Truth questions part of our Discord because we'll talk about it on the show. But um, if you just want to chat, like, that's kind of our thing. We, we like being available to the fans, and you guys have been the absolute best. It's been so much fun putting on the show, and um, it's just a pleasure being able to do things like this and seeing a positive response because you guys want to see it you guys are great is there anything else you want to tell our fans you know what i do i've enjoyed this role reversal so you know what guys finish your drinks we'll see you in two weeks later later